Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast return guest coming today. So, you know, it's good. Why would I have a return guest? That's bad. That's I should do that sometime. Like pick the worst guests that I've ever had on and invite <laughs> them back and then just keep on inviting them back once a year to see if they improve. Um, my, my guest today is one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. We met like 10 years ago. I was a, a comedian starting to get more interested in science and trying to find ways to bring it into my act and started reaching out to scientists and things to try to sort that out. It's a thing I'm still working on today. And at that exact same time, my business professor friend, Peter McGraw, was getting into humor research a bunch and put out a book called The Humor Code. And so we were just kind of meant to be. We clicked, we, we emailed a little bit, met, met at a... Uh, at a comedy festival in Portland and became fast friends. And we've been friends and collaborators and all sorts of things um, ever since. And like myself, Peter is always taking on new projects and new adventures in life and has a new one, which I believe you've been on the show talking about before, mm-hmm. which is uh, is the podcast Solo, A Single's Guide to Living a Remarkable Life. And so please welcome Peter McGraw, everybody. Shane, first of all, I have to start by saying happy birthday to you. Oh, well, someone marked their calendar and everything. I feel special. Thank you. It's a day early, but nonetheless, it's a day, it's a day late by the time listeners are hearing this. That's so. fair. Yes, so, but yeah, happy birthday, yeah. you oh, old thanks. man. Yeah. You, were, you were young and unhealthy when I met you, and now you're old and healthy. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Still working on that health part. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was I was exceedingly young and unhealthy. When <laughs> I have pictures of you from that time. It's not pretty sight. It's really not a pretty <laughs> sight. I, um, so Shane also, for the listener, was a special contributor to my second book, uh, stick to business. Yeah. And to be honest, the book's worth reading just for the passages that he uh, prepared. We do little sections called Shtick from Shane, in which he gives you the lowdown into the world of comedy. And it's uh, it's the only laugh out loud funny parts of the book. So uh, th- uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great book. There's a ton of business lessons to be gleaned from it from the world of comedy. It's not how to become a comedian. It's how you can uh, be a better business person based on certain things uh, that that comedians and writers rooms and the various people in the industry mm-hmm. use to um, innovate new ideas, a, a lot of ways of sparking creativity and um, finding new ways to take initiative and control yes. over your business. But forget about all that because I've moved you, on. But you're always I'm always moving on to things, too. But I combine my things. I like I take a new thing and then I combine it into other things that I have going yes. on. I slam the door. Yeah. And move on. This is my third third professional chapter in life. Probably my last. And there's probably a reason why we're both uh, single guys, because we get bored easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> that's that's fair. That and I. I mean, mine is more because I don't know you. You cho- you started with a path in life, kind of doing the things that you're supposed to do. You got the good grades and worked hard yes. and were responsible and everything. And even though you're recording in a closet right yes, now, I'm in a closet. If I was recording in my closet, it would be a whole other scene. Uh, <laughs> happening and i've seen your i've seen your place in denver and it's wonderful and yes. you're just not using your studio today i'm not not yet yes i have a solo studio in there and i'm being hyperbolic and i actually am not single because of boredom 
I'm single for other reasons. Actually, I, f- I finally figured out why I'm single. Yeah. And What's so that? that's been, uh, that's been really quite liberating. Uh, why? <laughs> You're like, why? Uh, tell me now. Uh, yeah. Th- that. So I used to think there was something wrong with me because I could not maintain a traditional relationship. I was opposite. So, thought there was something wrong with the world. I see. I was like, well, why is everyone why going through the same <laughs> weird traditions and stuff? I, I don't get it. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's why you're a comedian and I'm an academic. Um, yeah. But I thought there was something wrong with me. I would, I would meet these wonderful women. We would have a happy, healthy relationship. And then at some point, usually after New Year's, uh, about a year and a half into the relationship, they would say, I want to move in. And I would say, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. And it would it would bring this otherwise good relationship oftentimes to a close, a heartbreaking end. Um, that coupled with the fact that I don't want to have children, never really wanted to have children, certainly will never have children now, mm-hmm. um, makes me a very bad uh, partner for what I like to refer to as the relationship escalator. And that is the traditional high status, consistent, sexual, romantically monogamous, merged relationship that we all are so familiar with from love love songs, rom-coms, Jane Austen novels, and, uh, and beyond. And so I just, that just is not a fit for me. I just don't want to live with someone. I never want, I don't think I ever want to. And um, I've got some fairly grave doubts about long-term monogamy being um, a, a sort of worthy endeavor for myself and thus makes me a very undateable person for the, for a large swath of women in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, what I realized was there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that model of relationship just doesn't work for me and other models do. And I have a very, I think, healthy dating life and sex life. And I have um, a lot of, um, I think, you know, excellent connections, romantic and otherwise, um, with women who want something unconventional or non-traditional. And so I'm, I've tilted to your side, Shane, which is that element of the world, those social norms, the escalator, as I, as I said, I call it, is just not the right fit for me. And if I put myself on it, I'm probably not going to be living my most remarkable life. Yeah. And you do, you live a remarkable life and you take advantage of, of flying solo. In fact, what I wanted to get you on this show, like two weeks ago mm-hmm. because I was like, Hey, we're putting together this camp out uh, festival and rally September 8th through 12th. And I've never been so excited about anything or at least in a while. And, and it's you're like so what excited. I'm worried that you're having a manic episode. <laughs> you're not the only one, <laughs> but I, I know all the signs and all of the other signs haven't happened. Okay. Yet. That's good. So, okay. um, but yeah, that's the thing that, lots of people monitor in my, in my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of them. Just trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was so, uh, so it, it was just, you know, it's like a thing that I've been building toward and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to do for a right. lot from, from traveling around with stand up science with projectors in my car, trying to set up multimedia things and, and doing like, uh, you know, my psychedelic tour and trying to curate an audience and invite other artists into the show to show off of their stuff. And now I have a place that I can pull all of this together in one thing that isn't practical to be like traveling city to city doing. And, um, I like this. They, you bring them to you versus you go to them. Yeah. And I can create a whole world, which is the world that I want to build, but I can't because I'm trying to build it out of my car and not like pulling projectors in and running court. You've seen me set up. I've seen you do it. It's it's, It's a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, but no, I think you've been building to this for a long time. I think it's very exciting. And and so I 
we put it out there. This is the Mind Under Matter Camp Out Festival. Me and my co-host, Ramin Nazer, we're so excited about it. And immediately, because we have, uh, you know, pretty, um, you know, philosophical show, a lot of our listeners are really artsy and and can be kind of introverted and in their heads a little bit. And a lot of them do lead kind of atypical lives. And but some of them have like, you know, social anxiety issues and don't know, uh, which is a concern that you're really good at addressing is like how to feel uh, how to like go to a place alone and not feel weird. And that was one of the things was all these people wanted to come like fly from Europe and all around the country to attend this by themselves. And they're like, but will I be able to Will I find people to talk with that I don't want to build it up too much? I don't know if I'll be awkward or whatever. And so I wanted to have you on and reached out to you to do it. And you were actually flying solo on a trip um, to where did you go? Oh, to Lisbon, to Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. So so true, truly, truly living the the life doing exactly. That's what I've. This this project is so uh, the the solo the single person's guide to a remarkable life. It's just so uh, you. I mean, I've seen you live it for uh, for ten years now, and you you've given me a lot of good advice and everything else. I um yeah, and actually, I went uh, to Lisbon on a one way ticket, which is something yeah. that the average uh, partner person can't do. Imagine right. telling your wife. Hey, I'm going to Lisbon. I bought a one-way ticket. <laughs> Don't know when I'll be back. <laughs> and so I actually was inspired by uh, Bill Murray, who I write, wrote about in Stick to Business. He travels on one-way tickets because he just doesn't know when he's going to want to come home. And so I've been experimenting with that. Um, and it was nice because I actually came home earlier than I would have if I had bought a, a round-trip ticket. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I just was like excited to get back home and work on the book and, and do all these things. And so, um, one of the things I talk about single living is, uh, the optionality that it gives people that they can, mm -hmm. um, take chances. They can pivot their career. They can try new skills. They, you know, they can take off to a weekend festival and not worry about leaving someone behind or dragging someone along, um, that's there, but, uh Okay, can I just share? So th this is just an example of this. So we started in March, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we're like, man, it'd be fun to have a festival with all of our artist followers. We have so many amazing, talented people. They're always posting their art on our discord. What if we got them all together at festival talking about various festivals that we've been to? And then we got talking about how much we like yurts. And then this, <laughs> this guy who's been a Patreon supporter um since the beginning of the show is like hey guys i have a yurt retreat and i've been doing festivals your size They're like oh no shit we start yeah. putting it together and then he had things here in raleigh and i was like well i better go and check those out first to take mm -hmm. so so just like you said i was able to be like you know what I'm going to go to this festival. And then last minute, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go a week earlier than I thought and packed mm -hmm. up my stuff and was gone in two days and drove to Raleigh, got here, checked out the place. And I was like, oh, this is bigger than I realized. Mm -hmm. And this is I have all of the space to create what I want. And there's a bunch of free to cheap things that can be done. But I need to be here to do it. And I want to go around and do spots around this area. I'm just going to move to Raleigh. I'm moving to Raleigh right now and i'm going to stay here through the summer and build this thing and that's yes. the thing that you just cannot cannot do and then i'm having a blast doing it already and it's an incredible opportunity and i great. i'm very excited for you um if i could do a couple quick comments um one is i just want to be clear for your um escalator yeah. rider listeners that right. i'm not anti-marriage i'm not anti-partnership mm -hmm. um i just think it's over prescribed Right. Um, and that, um, even people who partner up spend a large portion of their life single. And I just don't want to see it as less than in any mm -hmm. way. And so, um, 
the partnerships have advantages and disadvantages. Single living has right. advantages and disadvantages. And what I want to do is help my single brothers and sisters deal with the disadvantages and recognize the advantages. I think that there are, um, a, to, to quote you, a zillion resources out there for partnered people. And yeah. there's almost nothing for unpartnered people. And so I just want to be clear. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a bigot, you know? <laughs> yeah. A marriage bigot. I am. I'm shitting all over married people right now. No, it's, it's that no, no one actually does though. I mean, I mean, people, people will crack jokes about like marriage or babies or whatever, but, but people, no one, no one feels embarrassed for being married. They might feel embarrassed for like having married the psycho or the wrong person or whatever, but no one feels embarrassed for being married itself people feel embarrassed for being single yes. people feel embarrassed like oh my gosh why am i alone there's something wrong with me kind of like what you were setting up i'll give you an example of this so i'm, I'm working on a book and the first chapter is called an image problem and it's about the biases and the stereotypes and and so on about um about single people Married people have no problem putting in their social media bios or even their professional bios that they're a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, mm -hmm. right? No one puts that they're single or a bachelor or a spinster mm -hmm. or a cat lady. In a cat lady. <laughs> I hope someone starts. Yes. So I ran a study where I gave people a whole bunch of terms. Yeah. Connected to partner living and single living. And it's basically polarized. It's like all the partners stuff is up at the top of the scale. Some of the single stuff is in the middle, like bachelor and solo. And then, a, and then there's a bunch of stuff at the bottom, like divorced, widowed, separated, old maid, cat lady. Mm -hmm. So the women have it even harder. So single people have it harder. And then the, then the, the female single people have it even, even harder on top of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but before we get into some of that stuff, I do have some ideas to help your solo listeners who are contemplating going to this festival who may never have taken a solo trip before. If you want to, it's talk so about foreign that. to me because I live i You're live like You're... i'm a lone wolf i'm just like oh yeah you just go out to eat by yourself it's great you people watch you travel yes. around you get airbnbs you take chances you do things so so yeah. i want to first of all what i want to do is um normalize doing things alone mm -hmm. um if i may it, so what's what's weird not weird but what's fascinating i actually ran a study on this of course mm -hmm. so I think it's unfortunate that single people don't do the things they want to do because they don't always have someone to do them with. And so they feel like this is, you know how bad it is in Japan, there's a guy that you will hire to just join you <laughs> as you just do regular everyday activities. So <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. I know. To like go to the movies with you or like whatever. Or go else, shopping yeah. with you or go whatever. It's, and he's just is a prop. Like, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. That shows you how strong the stigma can be about doing things alone in public. So there's a few things that sort of stood out from this survey. One is um, single people do a lot of things alone. Um. And, uh, so for example, 58% of single people have gone to a movie alone, either on occasion or regularly. Um, 49%, a bar alone, 58%, a museum alone, a concert, 42% of single people have gone to a concert alone. Um, I, I, I point this out. So, so more at half or more than half of single people have done these things alone. And there's actually research that shows that people think that it's not going to be as enjoyable, mm -hmm. um, but it ends up being just as enjoyable as doing it with someone else. What's amazing is all of those activities, married people do much less alone. 
So only 25% of married people go to the movies alone. And, and the reason is not because um, they don't want to, I believe, it's just because they can't. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you end up basically when you go to the movies with your partner, um, a third of the time you're seeing a movie you don't really want to see. Mm. You know what I mean? Kind of a thing. And it's very hard for a married couple to go to a movie theater and one go to, to, to theater nine and the other one go to theater six and watch different movies. Right. You know what I mean? You have to mm -hmm. do it together in that sense. Um, 16% of married people have gone to concerts alone. Hmm. Right. So essentially what I want to point out is that married people are sort of they're not doing all the things they want to do because their partner doesn't always want to do them or they feel like they have to have their partner. So they wait, you know, until they're available. And then um, half of single people are out there moving out in the world, doing things alone. And what I want to say to the other half of single people who aren't doing those things is that it's completely normal to do those things. No one notices, no one judges you. And if they do, I think they're a little bit jealous, frankly. <laughs> um, I just don't even think it happens. Like It doesn't happen. Everybody's paying attention I, I to mean, who? I can't even imagine a scenario where someone would be like, look at that person alone over there. But That's it's right. the, the, the spotlight effect, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think, so for, so I just want to normalize doing things alone. Um, yeah. and I think I have, I have data on, um, I'm going to look this up real quick. I have data on, um, 78% of single people have traveled domestically alone on a flight. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so that that's what essentially what you're teeing up here is people are going to climb on a plane um, and then international travel, international alone, 52 percent of single mm. people have done it alone. So, you know, you're looking at half to three quarters of the population having done some solo travel alone and it's booming. Um, it's really, really booming uh, kind of thing. So. I, so that's the first thing is I want to normalize all of this. Yeah. And and there's also, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to all of it because you, you, you know, say a museum, which is for me like a, yeah, I got to be in the right kind of mood to enjoy a museum, depending on the museum. That's fair. Sometimes it can be amazing on a date or whatever. And then sometimes you're, or Sometimes you're, you go with friends or family or something like that. And it's kind of like, well, I actually wanted to spend more time yeah. in this area or didn't want to spend as much time in this area. And it's nice to move at your own pace. Like I like hiking with other people more than I like hiking alone. Okay. But I do, I, but I'm still in the mood to hike alone from time to time. But there's certain activities that when I find myself doing them alone, I'm like, Man, I'm glad I'm not asking what everyone else wants to be doing mm -hmm. right now. Like in in our event, there's like a science section and a like woo woo like wellness area too, like different kind of peninsulas around this lake. And then there's like comedy area, music mm -hmm. area, and I like I wanted to get float around things. So not because the original idea was like, well, let's get like 50, you know, 100, maybe even 200 of us together. Okay. But then it was going to be like one event and then the next event, like, okay, everybody, yeah, we stacked. all do this together mm -hmm. and like pressure for everyone to do. And you might not be interested in a certain thing. And I wanted to eliminate that and give people the opportunity to float around, which is exactly what like kind of floating around solo allows for you. Yeah, I do. I do something called group solo trips where I get um, a group of sort of like-minded people together. Maybe we all get hotel rooms in the same hotel or we get a big Airbnb. And there are sort of one or two touchstone events per day. So at two o'clock, we're going to the museum. At seven o'clock, we have dinner. But everything else, you're free to do whatever you want. So like mm -hmm. 
I have a friend who, you know, they want to go shopping. Another person wants to see all the tourist sites. I want to sit in a cafe and then go to the gym. And so no one ever feels like they're compromising their vacation. Um, but yet you still have this group of people to sort of check in with and have fun with. And then mm -hmm. everybody sort of leads something different along, you know, along the way. And so what I like about your festival is, you know, it's, it's a cafeteria style. Yeah, yeah. You get to pick from the menu, you know, a la carte, what it is that you want to do. And then it's, and then you can have someone join you if you want, or you can, mm -hmm. um, you know, meet people at this, you know, at this thing. I, I do have some advice for some of your listeners who are thinking about going though, because I think that there's, I think, I think your festival is such a great sort of, um, uh, I'm trying to use a science uh, metaphor here, but like just a, a, a great little experiment for someone who, who might be contemplating their first ever solo trip. Yeah. Because it's actually the perfect kind of first solo trip, right? Yeah. It's, it's a couple, three nights, so it's not too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be filled with super friendly people who have something in common. Yeah. Um, and we'll you all have, know each other's inside jokes and stuff that's, from the show. And yeah, yeah. there's going to be yeah. a lot of entertainment, yeah. um, that's there. And so I think it's a, it's actually a really great test case for the, for the average person who's never really done this and want to stretch themselves a little yeah. bit, want to put themselves on their edge. But, um, and the other one is, is you have this wonderful community on discord that mm -hmm. people can join and that is they can start to get to know people beforehand. Yeah. You know, and they can even make plans. Well, let's meet at noon on the first day for lunch. Yeah. You know? right. And so then what ends up happening is now right from jump street, you've got, you know, you already have familiar names. Now you have friendly faces and you can start to figure out who you want to spend more time with. Um, from some event that's happening right at the very beginning. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, of, of course I would want people to like bring a bunch of their friends or whatever else. And that would be a blast too, especially if they're like, you know, within a, there's a, a ton of, there's a big population within a four hour radius of, mm -hmm. of Raleigh with like Asheville and, and uh, uh, Charleston and whatnot. But anyhow, but, but I, I know just from doing virtual board game nights and everything else that there's like all of these solo people that like are just nervous. And it's, it's like, you know what it is? It's like when uh, you do a comedy show and afterwards the person that wants to come up and talk your ear off is never the person that you want to be talking to. The person that doesn't want to like approach you or bother you or come up is exactly the person yeah. that you that's really interesting and you want to talk to and that's why like i just want for for those people to be able to yeah. uh experience I, something you're being very nice shane i i think this is actually this is actually a bigger problem and a, and a greater opportunity than you're letting on and here it is is we just went through two years of terribleness mm -hmm. where we weren't allowed to do many of the things that we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And if we were allowed, we might've been scared to do them on top of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to do all the things. It's part of the reason why I, sh I close the chapter and start something else. And for someone who is intrigued by this festival, has some affection for you and for Ramin, to not go because you're <laughs> scared to go yeah. alone yeah. is tragic. <laughs> That's a <laughs> we're, we're, it, it is i feel like we're laying it on the thick it's but not, it, no, it is not, like, this is not I, a sales pitch i, I, I know really i know this. i know it's like i i know i believe it too it's i i think of i think of all of the times in my life where like 
the five years that went by from the time that I told myself that I was like going to get on stage and do stand up mm-hmm. and just like let stage fright or whatever hold me back till the time I did it. And then like, oh, I should have done that five years and that like little bit of anxiety uh, keeping me from doing something that I was really going to love and enjoy and yes. everything else. And, it's yeah. I have a saying, I have a lot of sayings, and one of them is, what are you waiting for? Like, yeah. no one's going to walk up to you and tap you on the shoulder and go, you know, it's your time. It's your time to start enjoying yourself. Like, yeah. it's time. It's your time to start taking some risks in life. Right. You know, like the world just doesn't want you to behave the way you want to behave. Mm-hmm. And so it's I think it's important. You know, we're, we're running on old software. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're running on a world where everybody used to couple up and they used to go on vacations together and they do family road trips and they would do all that stuff. Well, like half of the United States, adults in the United States are, are single and a whole bunch of them are, are um, going to remain single because they want to, and some are going to remain single temporarily. But the idea that you're going to wait to have that person to go with you is precious time that you're losing. And what we just went through is a nice reminder that nothing is guaranteed. And so, yeah, I think it's a tragedy. I think it's a sad, sad thing. If someone who wants to do it, doesn't stretch themselves and give it a try. Worst case they go and they go, well, that, that I don't want to do that again in the future. Yeah, that's it's a pretty small gamble. It's a big gamble for me <laughs> because it's, yeah, you're really the one who's taking the big yeah, risk. I'm taking like I don't feel <laughs> bad for anyone's risk. I'm taking all of it. Um, but uh, can you can you talk about the four different types of singles? Yes, a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because I, because I, 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 I want to hear. Yeah, I I just I love that. Um, I I love that anything that you're interested in, you're just like, I'm going to study that. I'm going to look into that. The the humor code, just someone asked you a question one day about why people laughed at a at a certain example during a mm-hmm. presentation that you're giving that you use to get a laugh and and uh, you didn't know the answer to. And then he just became a humor researcher (laughs) and, and you're doing this with the solo thing. Like, like you more and more, I think, I think it's a good time for this because more and more people are talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, living, um, like single lives to their fullest and stuff. But not a lot of people are saying, well, 64% of the, not a lot of people are <laughs> gathering the hard evidence because, because I think what's intriguing about hearing that is knowing that you aren't alone in being solo. That's right. And, you know, it's difficult because there are people who live in places. So I, I, I joke when I grew up, the only bachelor I knew was this guy, George, a late 30-something, who who lived in my neighborhood and grew weed in his backyard and drove a Trans Am. And my sister and I thought he was a weirdo. And now I think I would be friends with George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But everybody else in the neighborhood was like coupled up, you know, or a single mom, right? They had They had done this. Like he's the only person I knew in my entire life who was a bachelor. Now, and that, that remains the case in some places in America and certainly a lot of places in the world. Um, but there are lots of single people. So I've already alluded to um, one of the statistics, right? So um, 128 million single adults in the United States. More than one in four households have a single occupant in it, which is the most common household in the United States. So the most common household in the United States is a single household followed by um, two partnered people with no kids followed by the nuclear family. It's flipped in the last 20 years. No one's talking about That's surprising to me. And I've talked to you about how many phone calls have we had? We've talked hours. So one of the things that I have done is, um, is to highlight the diversity 
of single people, mm-hmm. right? So this is a big group, 18-year-old college kids, 88-year-old widows, and everything in between. Um, and so these people have different goals, right? You know, and, and so our tendency to think of singlehood as a liminal state is really misguided in a, in a sense, in part because not everybody who's single will partner up and not everybody who was partnered and become single again will do it again yeah. uh, in a sense. So, um, so the way I have done this is, and this has largely actually been done qualitatively, just talking to people and paying attention to, to the world. I think that the biggest group of singles are what I call the someday group. Okay. Mm-hmm. And these are very, these are people who hold traditional values. That is, they want to ride the relationship escalator. They are what we might call hopeless romantics. You know, that they're going to find their person, their ride or die, their partner in crime. And when they do that, life will be good. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, you know, that, that, and that is the thing of, of, Jane Austen novels and rom-coms and love songs, you know, that is the, um, the hallmark holiday card, you know, kind of a thing. We see it on Instagram all the time, people getting engaged, people having big weddings, people doing all, all those things that are there. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about some of the mythology around that if you want. I do want to. Yeah. But let's get through the other or or, uh, I don't care. You steer the ship. Yeah, the next so the next group are is there's three different groups of what I call solos. Okay. So there's a difference between being single and being solo. Mm-hmm. So a person who is solo thinks of themselves as a complete person, as a whole person, not half of a whole. So that is that they're not walking around wanting someone to complete them. Mm-hmm. In a sense, right? So that's that's the major element that differentiates singles from from souls. They also tend to be a little more self reliant, a little bit more autonomous, um, because they're not looking for that other person to solve their problems, and they tend to be a little bit more unconventional. That's not necessary or sufficient. That's there, just by virtue of of recognizing the escalators not. The norm's not right for them suggests that they also recognize that a lot of other things in the world are not right for them either. Now, that group has is um, broken down into three subcategories. There is the just may group. Okay. These are people who would like to ride the escalator. They would like to meet, make a partner. They may want to have a family but they don't feel incomplete until that happens. They are what I would call hopeful romantics. They would like it to happen, but if it doesn't happen, it's not tragic, right? You know, because they like their life as it is, but they would be happy to walk this other path. Mm -hmm. The next group is the no way group. Um, People might call them single by choice or single at heart. These are people who are not interested in a dating or romantic relationship, either for now or forever. This is a really big group, by the way. So of American singles, half at the moment are not interested in dating or a relationship. So for people who are listening, if you are one of these people, you have to understand how normal you are. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and there, and it's surprising even again, I, I just said this, but it's surprising even to me to hear those numbers. This is a Pew Center study and it's been replicated every 15 years. Like it's it's the real deal now. Now, why is that the case? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people might be in the no way group. OK, maybe they're spending the summer. Creating a festival and it's taking all of their time and energy. Maybe they're finishing a PhD. You know, maybe they're trying to get through college. Maybe they're building a business, right? You know, maybe they're 
they're just doing something that crowds out romantic relationships in their life. Maybe they're loners. You know, maybe they just like their solitude. Maybe they're asexual or aromantic. And having a relationship at the moment's not really satisfying their, their needs or desires. Maybe they've gone through a hellacious divorce. Maybe they've been a victim of sexual abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse. Maybe they've raised a family, sent their kids to college, divorced their part life partner, and are like, been there, done that. I want to do other things with my time. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. There's a whole list of reasons why someone's like, no, thanks, not interested. Mm. It's there. And then the last group is a group that I belong to. I didn't even know I belonged to it until I started this project. And I called it the new way group. And this is a group of people who are interested in dating or a relationship but doing it traditionally doesn't work for them. And there's an infinite number of ways that it might not work. So in my case, for example, I don't want to live with a partner. I don't want to merge my life with a partner. Um, I, um, I'm also, as I said, like not thrilled about the idea of monogamy. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I might have multiple partners at any one time you know, versus the typical monogamous relationship. But this, you know, that's just me, right? And so um, I want to have relationships romantic and or sexual, but I just have some limits as to um, to how they look compared to the, the traditional one. But this includes people who are polyamorous. This includes people who have platonic partnerships. This includes people who will have open relationships or swing or are ethically non-monogamous more generally, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like there are lots and lots of ways to have meaningful connections, but are ones that are not the connections of Disney and rom-coms and Austin novels, et cetera, that are there. So to recap, Someday Group is Hopeless Romantics, the Just May Group, Hopeful Romantics, the no way group are not interested in dating or relationships at the moment or forever. And then the new way group are people who are open to dating and relationships, but they're going to be unconventional in some way. And mm -hmm. that encompasses, I think, any single person can sort of put themselves in one of those categories or might be like, oh, I'm a mix of, you know, I could go either way on this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, I, I feel like we've brought this up um, in, in the past. I feel like I've made this point before, but it bears repeating because it still holds true that it's just as important to me as it, as it was uh, when, when I first talked about it. But opposite sex friendships are something that I, I value a lot. And that was something that for me, one of the biggest um, one of the so so not even like dating or anything it was just like when i was in a relationship and you know i was always like in a three-year monogamous yes. relationship and then you, you would you would, would ride the escalator to a certain point and then yeah. it would break down yeah and then you'd be single for a while and then you get back on the escalator and your escalator you, was super you, steep yeah and it didn't break down for there wasn't many spaces in between them either. It was just like <laughs> shoo, 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 like, yes. like my my life tends to go. But one of the things that drives me crazy is the amount of like, you know, you know, I, I study enough of like the evolution of various like desires and this and that and where jealousy comes from. And I understand on an intellectual level but it still sucks to have the person that you like love and care about nagging you because they saw you like talking to a girl or or like a female guest of mine would be attractive and now that's a fucking thing that i have to deal with <laughs> because like i didn't even know that when i booked the guest and it just so happens they're a physically attractive female right and now it's a whole talk that i have to have and and 
it's absurd. And and I have so many I have so many fantastic female friends. Some of them I am attracted to. Some of them are attracted to uh, uh, each other, but it's just like not. It wouldn't be a, a good fit in that way. And others I'm not attracted to. We're just friends or whatever mm-hmm. else. But I like the I like if I was. If I was, you know, I was like a little bit like, oh, do I want a girlfriend for a while? And then I put the festival. I'm like, oh, I don't want to have a girlfriend when I go to this festival just because I don't want to. I want to talk to everybody and I don't want to worry about like, oh, is me, is this girl coming up to me right now going to lead to a fucking two hour long fight later over the most innocent nothing mm. like that stuff drove me absolutely crazy and i i i wish i wish opposite sex uh friendships were just way more normalized yeah i agree you know the irony in all of this is men invented monogamy yeah that's the great irony in all of this um is that like there's there's in my opinion no good evidence evolutionarily or biologically for monogamy it is completely a social construction and a relatively new one in human history and and the whole idea of marriage and partnerships essentially was created um in order to create alliances Mm -hmm. um and monogamy is really basically just to make sure your kids are your kids and it's a pretty terrible way to make sure that your kids are your kids on top of it, if I can give you a um, a personal anecdote to to contrast with yours, mm-hmm. just to show like, and in many ways this this shows my very f- quick evolution, and that is so I have a friend um, who you know, um, we dated for quite a long time. She's super um, important to me. Um, we are now um, friends. We're not romantically involved, except. Um, we will hold hands when I see her, we'll, we'll, um, cuddle. We do this thing that she calls chesticle nesticle, where like she lays her head on my chest kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. And that's it. You know what I mean? But I feel very close to her. I adore this woman. Um, Mm -hmm. and if I started dating someone And the woman who I was dating said, I don't want you holding hands with her anymore. I don't want you doing chesticle nesticle anymore. Mm. I would say, I'm I'm not going to stop doing that. Yeah. Like I have love in my heart for this woman and it in no way diminishes the affection, the love, the connection I have for someone else. Um, and the, and the idea that, that could become a problem, you know, in many ways, it's like a sort of a canary in a coal mine, you know, more generally for what the expectations of that relationship is going to be um, in a sense. But I'm, I'm now, you know, I'm not dating the someday or even the just may group anymore because I'm just going to disappoint them. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought I was I thought there was something wrong with me because I would disappoint them all the time. And to me, it's it's just no different than like some people like Italian food and some people like Indian food. There's nothing wrong with wanting one or the other. You know, it's an art sort of arbitrary thing. Right. Can you talk about some of the myths of being single? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the, um, I mean, the big one, we'll just start with the biggest one is, um, getting married will make you happy. Essentially this idea that, that, um, that single people are sad and, um, and if we could just get them coupled up, they would be happy. Um, Mm. that's there. So this is work, um, that's largely been spearheaded by Bella DiPaolo. So she was very early to this as a, behavioral scientists and she's done like really incredible work reinterpreting a lot of bad science, especially around this question of happiness. So the first thing about it is this is a very difficult question to answer um, because I mean, your listeners know this, they know about random assignment. They know about experiments because 
hey, listen to here we are. And so the ideal, right, so you're familiar with a drug trial where people are randomly assigned to a placebo or to a treatment condition, and then you compare the two groups. They're, they're the same in every other way because of the random assignment. Well, you can't randomly assign people to marriages, <laughs> right? You know, so you can't get that past human subjects. Right, not, right, right. And... Um, but the problem is that doesn't stop the pro-marriage people from looking at the data and interpreting it in a way that suggests that getting married makes you happy. And the reason is, if you compare the happiness, the li- well, we'll say we'll call it life satisfaction. So in general, the question is on balance, how you know how satisfied are you with your life from one to seven, you know, or one to ten, whatever it might be. If you compare married people's responses to single people's responses to divorced people's responses, you find the following pattern. Married people judge their life to be most satisfactory. Single people are slightly below that, but significantly according to statistics. And then divorced people are much below both of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing that I want to point out is how convenient the pro-marriage people are in their interpretation of the data because they remove the divorce people from the marriage group. Right. And so what you have to say is if you're going to interpret this causally, which by the way, you can't, mm-hmm. it's you have to get married and then stay married in right, order right. to be happy. Okay. Now what Bella has done and others, other economists have done is they go, well, we can hack a solution by looking at the data longitudinally because there are some data sets that exist in the world that ask people on a regular basis, on balance, how satisfied are you with your life? And this allows you then to compare a person's happiness before they get married to after they get married. And see if there's a change. And if there, there should be a stepwise function if indeed marriage makes you happy. And you don't find that. What you find essentially is, and this is fascinating, married people who stay married are already happier before they get married. Mm. Single people, obviously, since there's no change, right? They just stay at their level of pretty high happiness. And divorced people are already less happy before they get married. And so if anything is the case, it's that if you are a less happy person, it makes marriage harder, Mm. essentially. Now, there Mm. is one effect that is very real. If you look at the group of people who get married about a year before their wedding, their life satisfaction climbs a tiny bit. It peaks on their, basically at their wedding day. And then another year it comes back down to baseline. So there's kind of a honeymoon effect that exists, but no marriage effect. So that's the first thing that's there. Now, the second one is, Life satisfaction is a pretty blunt instrument by which to study and understand how good someone's life is. Um, And the work that I've been doing, um, thinking about well-being, suggests that there are many ways to live a good life by way of, um, for example, achievement, by way of doing meaningful work, by way of doing creative, engaging work, by having a pleasurable life, etc., and so to assume that get someone getting married is going to make their life better ignores the fact that their life might already be good because they're already pursuing scientific achievement or making art, right? Or doing something that really resonates within them that this traditional marriage is going to get in the way of. Hmm. It's going to actually get in the way of what it is that makes their life, as I like to say, remarkable in a sense. 
And it's just sort of naive, I think, to believe that someone goes along unhappy, then they meet someone, their life is blissful, you know, that that kind of treatment sort of works, um, especially mm. knowing what we know about set point theory, about genetics. And then also, let's just be really honest, relationships are difficult. Mm-hmm. And so it ignores the fact that you might marry an alcoholic or someone who's emotionally abusive or someone who gambles or someone who cheats or someone who job takes them to, you know, the middle of nowhere. And now you have to live in this town that doesn't have museums and doesn't have the fine dining and doesn't have the things that you like to do, et cetera, all the compromise that ends up happening. And so this is not to say that there are sad single, aren't sad single people, but the idea that getting married makes you happy, there's really no evidence for it. And I don't think that we could ever truly do the study that's going to find that effect anyways, which I don't think is the case. That's really interesting to hear because I, I, I know plenty of very happy married people and I'm so happy for them. And my parents, I'm, I'm sure have had all sorts of rough patches that yes. they've never shared because they're not big sharers in that way. And you're like, keep, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Sort of How Midwestern. Folks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, but I, I, I think that, uh, they're happy and, and just living a conventional life. Like overall, they just like, like a structured lifestyle and everything. I know tons of, of happy married people. So, so when I hear you talk about that, that makes so much sense that like, well, a lot of these people were, happy. they're just happy, easy just people. Happy. They're good at relationships. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, That's right. You know, huh. um, they're also using a different metric, right? So this idea that, um, you know, you're highly motivated to make your marriage work when the statistic to judge its goodness is its longevity. Mm-hmm. So we live in a world where long relationships are more valued than short relationships, regardless of how healthy and happy those relationships are. And so um, when there, when you don't see a situation where you can remove yourself from it, it does lead to a lot of like problem solving, coping, acceptance. Um, I do believe that, that entering into this profound um, relationship, uh, you know, takes work and takes when done well, um, creates a lot of personal growth. Uh, in terms of of this, and so as I said, I'm not I'm not anti marriage. I just think it's over prescribed. I just mm. I'll be honest, like guys like you and me should not get married. And it, I I've I've always like well, first off, I always thought I was going to find like the one and be with her forever. And I'm I'm in that category of people where of of the one where like I feel whole and I'll be. Perfectly you're, yeah, satisfied. You're, a sol- you're absolutely a solo. There's but no also, I'll it, like if I met someone and say like I'd be happy with that as well. But I never was on board with marriage and children. There was always something about that that was just I, I had a strong, strong, strong aversion to. But then, but I thought early on that I did want to like have a life partner, and yeah. now I'm like, mm, I don't. I'm not so so sure. I I think that. I think that that could happen, but it will be a surprise to me uh, if if it does. Yeah, I, and again, I'm like not. That. I I don't want to say never. I don't like that term. I mean, I'll never have children, but um, but I don't want to say never for many other things because I I know you know, lot can change in life, you know, no. and and so on. I'm not banking on any of these things, and my guess is that if I had a life partner, it still would be non traditional, mm-hmm. and um. In, in any number of ways that's there. Mm-hmm. I think the point of saying this, you know, to people is regardless of our own personal situation, it's not wrong to want this thing, but just know that it's not going to solve your problems in the way that it's promised to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it may still be very fulfilling. 
It's going to create a new set of challenges. There's going to be personal growth. There's going to be a lot of excitement. Um, adding new people to your life who are healthy, happy, supportive, high integrity, valuable people, whether they're lovers or friends um, or business associates, is incredibly important. You know, and so that's just is like one path that's there. I don't want to again. I'm not trying to deter anyone. I just want them to sort of recognize some of the myths associated with it. Um, uh, could you, as we kind of start wrapping up a little bit, because you're 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 solo, but you're very busy. Usually, when I reach out to people. Um, because scientists are just busybodies generally. So they're always like, oh, I have this kid thing. I, I was supposed to meet with the, I was supposed to have some uh, person come out to this property and check it out today. And it's always, it's always just like a zillion things and a zillion schedule, but family, all this. And, uh, and you keep that. Um, but it's without the attachment of family. You, you're so scheduled in that you're uh, like, you you're very type a in getting work done but you're also type a in like scheduling adventures for yourself yeah, like yeah. like you you really you make sure that you're traveling somewhere and going off and having some sort of adventure or something like that you're and and you like even though you got the one-way ticket you're still kind of like you still like roll up your sleeves about it in a way that that's like you won't you won't let an amount of time go by where you don't have some little bit of planned adventure in your life. Yeah. You know, um, I've been, so for the listener, uh, it's funny because Shane and I have this freaky Friday joke, which is I'm becoming more like him and he's becoming more like <laughs> me. Um, and, and yeah. I, um, I, you know, I, I'm in this sort of weird transition in, in my life because I mean, I don't want to sound immodest, but I took care of business, you know, I yeah. mean, like I'm, I'm a tenured professor. I mean, you know, I, I have a, a good salary. I don't want for anything anymore. I have security. I'm healthy. I have a lot more control over my life than I used to in, in many ways. And my, my default is to work is to produce and to overachieve mm -hmm. because I did that for 30 years in order to get to where I am. And I'm starting to rethink a lot of these things. And I'm starting to try to live a little bit more improvisationally. It's not easy for me to turn off 30 years of training um, that's there. But one of the things that I have done is sort of thought about what is my ideal day like? So I'm living my ideal day right now, to be honest. So I'm, um, I, it has four elements to it. Um, and, and so this is sort of the, this is the sort of routinized, planned, structured part of me Yeah, is that I want to hit these four beats throughout my day. Um, so the first one is I want to wake up well-rested mm -hmm. and, and that's actually an important one. Cause that's like a foundation for everything else that follows. And it has implications for the night before and how I behave and what I do. Um, so I want to wake up well-rested. Then I want to do creative work. So um, that is right now um, mostly working on the solo project, which is the most meaningful work that I've ever done. Um, the number of people who reach out to me thanking me for this, telling mm -hmm. me that they no longer feel alone or feel like a weirdo, you know, is, is almost a daily occurrence at this point. So I'm compelled to engage in this work um, I would, I would say that this podcast fits that creative mm -hmm. work. So I'm, I do writing in the morning typically. Then I want to move my body. I want to be strong. So I'm, I, I made a commitment to getting stronger this year. So lifting weights and, and exercising more intensely than I had been, um, before. Um, so I want to be rested, creative, strong. And then the last one is playful. And so I'm trying to inject much more play into my life. And that could be hosting a game night, which you've attended, where I bring people together, lots of laughs. That could be going on a date. I'm going on a date tonight, which I'm very excited about. But that could even be just like 
take an edible, go on a walk, and then come home and read and take notes. You know what I mean? On, you know, like kind of play with ideas more generally in a mm -hmm. sense. And so what I do is, to be honest, like the things I say yes and no to nowadays, do they fit one of those four categories? Um, if they don't, I'm very likely to say no. And if they're going to crowd out one of those categories, I'm almost certain to say no to it. And so I just have a sense of clarity. And to be honest, like I have so much more control over my own schedule than the average partnered person does mm -hmm. because no one's putting anything on my calendar except for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's why I'll never be a Dean among other reasons. Um, because I, I do value my autonomy in a sense um, as a result of that. And so as a result, like I'm, like I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm doing the best work of my life, my most meaningful work of my life. And I'm, I'm actually able to sort of enjoy myself in the way that the average person really struggles, right? They're, they're storing it all up for Friday night and Saturday. And then Sunday night, they've got the Sunday scaries. But for me, like every day of the week is like this. There's no difference between Monday and Sunday. Um, and as a result, it's like, it's been very, I mean, again, it works for me. I'm not prescribing this to anyone else. Mm. Um, oh, it's wonderful. Thanks for sharing all of this. Um, this has been, uh, yeah, this is, I, if you go to, what is it? PeterMcGraw.org. One of the first things that comes up is, is that the, because I was just looking at the, the, the science of solos. If you want all of those, if you want some of these, uh, those statistics and stuff that Peter shared, some of that is on his site as well as you can check out his solo podcast. What else do you want to plug or what, what do you want to direct people towards? Um, I have a solo community that people can sign up for. So like-minded folks, um, you know, who I, I think you should listen to the podcast first and make sure that, I mean, actually, if you're still listening now, you probably can handle the podcast if you're not sick of me. Um, that's there. But yeah, I'd say the podcast is a great place to start, to be to be honest. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a podcast designed not just to talk about single living, but also to talk about what makes a life good. And um, and the opportunities that single living presents and the unique challenges that it does. There, Shane. I I really I love you, and I appreciate your support. And I'm looking forward. It's going to be great. You're going to be there. You're going to give a solo talk. Festival. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be. Is this going to be your first time camping, like ever, or you've camped before? Yeah. No, no, no. I used no, to. I used to camp RV. a lot. That's um, the I move. It. Yeah, I'm for I'm it. I'm going to get an RV. <laughs> and if I could tee, if I could tee up my talk, we only talked about one of the myths of single living, but I will be talking about the other two myths, and that is that single people are selfish, and that single people are amazing. Lonely. I and love both it. of those. Are I not love it. True. Thank you. This has been great. Uh, thank you for being such a wonderful friend and a wonderful guest, Peter McGraw. Everybody, and go to petermcgraw.org. And thank you all for being such wonderful, curious people. And we'll see you again next week. Cheers.